Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Good Monday morning. Let me run through some numbers before we get to the fellas and their weekend thoughts and then some more numbers. The Bills, a 99% chance to win the AFC East after their big win over the Steelers. The Packers, 100% to win the NFC North. The Chiefs, 100% to win the AFC West. Oh, by the way, we've got new conference leaders on this Monday morning and the worst team, the worst division in football has a new best team. And with that, we welcome you to Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Fellas, how was the weekend? Let's weigh in and then we'll weigh in on another crazy NFL weekend. It was good. Weekend was great. I, you know, watched a lot of whatever little college football was on. Had opportunity to see my Trojans take down the Bruins. Uh, we have that legitimate argument, just like everybody else now, and that we want to be in the college football playoff. And then we turn the page to the National Football League. Yes, and it was cold this weekend to me. <laughs> it was 58 degrees this weekend up here, man. Come on, Key. That's not cold. <laughs> I'll tell you this. I, so we went, we cut down a Christmas tree, Zubin, which is really cool. I had to actually cut down my own Christmas tree. Never done that before. Uh, got really pumped up with some spiked eggnog. And then I walked in the door at home and I saw LSU beat Florida. And I was like, well, welcome to 2020. Just continues to cement that we're still in 2020. No doubt about it. That was one of the wildest endings of the weekend. We'll get to that in just a little bit. The coaching carousel in college football also swirling. National Signing Day early is Wednesday, so a lot of clubs, a lot of programs that need coaches need to fill them quick to make sure those kids can get in there. But let's go from the kids to the men. Key, let's talk about it. Sunday night football, as I mentioned, Buffalo wins. They've got a 99% chance to win the AFC East. It would be their first division title in a quarter century. But I want to focus on the other team just for a moment. Not a Buffalo buzzkill at all. But Pittsburgh actually backed their way into the playoffs yesterday, if there's such a thing at backing in 11-2. They actually got into the postseason before they took the field Sunday night. They dropped their second in a row. And I gave you all those numbers. 99, 100. By the way, Stefan Diggs has 100 catches this year. Don't scale it from 0 to 100. Scale it from 1 to 10. Your level of concern for the Pittsburgh Steelers after their second straight shaky performance. Well, there is some concern, Zubin. I think when you look at where they're at, where they started at, they were an 11-0 football team. They've lost two straight games now. And so as you start to think about moving forward, they've got to figure out what that running game is about. Like, they need some help in terms of running the football. Defensively, I think they held up as best they could. But from an offensive standpoint, Ben Roethlisberger cannot be Big Ben if they don't have a running game to match the passing game. I think when you look at Washington and you look at Johnson and Juju in, in Claypool, yes, they're young, dynamic receivers. But if they don't have a running game to match the style of which they want to play, then this is going to be very difficult for them to be able to move forward Come playoff time, right now, sitting at 11-2 and two with two straight losses, a lot of people are not starting to say now, taking them out of the conversation as the second-best team in the AFC. There's a team in Buffalo, which they played. There's a Tennessee Titan team. And, oh, by the way, there's the Indianapolis Colts with a resurgence at quarterback in Phillip Rivers. So as you start to look at where they're at, uh, it's just, you know, it's it, and I know Mike Tomlin wants to run the ball. And, and he's going to try to certainly get it fixed, but they better hurry up and fix it before it's too late. Okay, I'll say this. We, we should start throwing the Browns in that conversation, too. We'll get a chance to see them tonight and how they perform if Baker Mayfield continues to play at that high level. But I walked away last night thinking that the Bills were the second-best team in the AFC. And just to finish off the comments that Key said about the Steelers in their running game, they rushed for 47 yards. 40 
seven yards. The game against the Washington football team, they rushed for 21 yards. You know, look, one of the things I think that made Tampa Bay look better the other day is that they actually were able to stick to the ground game and they allowed play action. And I think when you can't do that for Big Ben, then it makes him very one-dimensional. And look, let's be honest about it. Big Ben is an immobile quarterback. He can't move in the pocket and do those things. He needs play action. He needs the run game to help take, take this team to the next level. I, I think their defense is still good. But their offense just struggles. I don't think they're they're still kind of in that top tier, but I don't see them as a Super Bowl contender. Here's Big Ben on whether what the air running on offense is become too obvious. You know what? Defenses um, can can play pass if you can't run the ball. So um, we need to, to do better at, at being a more balanced offense. And we need to do better at um, executing the plays that are called. Okay, Key, let me ask you this. That's the words of Ben Roethlisberger. There was so much talk about the other quarterback last night, Josh Allen. Um, Look, to me, tell me if this is fair or not. For the work that Josh Allen has done and the improvements he's made, I've mentioned Stephon Diggs last night with a bunch of great catches. He's now got 100 grabs. That leads the NFL. If he catches one more ball this year, it'll be the Bills' single-season record. I'm sure you remember the guy that set the mark, the great Eric Moulds. It seems hard to believe this guy has never made the Pro Bowl, Stephon Diggs. How much, and I'm not taking anything away from Allen and the work that he's put in year to year, but how much of his success can be put on the one guy, maybe the biggest off-season acquisition for any team at that position? Well, I think Brandon being general manager of the Buffalo Bills got it right. When he made the decision to trade for Stephon Diggs, it was the right thing to do. You got a young quarterback, and I always say you always want to have a young quarterback with a dynamic receiver opposite him. In terms of the Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl, whatever. I mean, that that, that thing just is watered down nowadays anyway. I think when you look at some of the NFC guys and the Julio Joneses and the Michael Thomases and the Larry Fitzgeralds, guys that have consistently gone to the Pro Bowl uh, out of that particular conference is going to be very – it was going to be very tough for Stephon Diggs to get to the Pro Bowl. Now that he's an AFC side, it's a little easier. That is not as – the deck is not as stacked. So, you know, he'll get his opportunity to, to, as we like to say, or we used to like to say when it was in Hawaii, to eat pineapple. And so I think that that will happen for him at some point in time, and he'll probably get his first nod this year, although – the game will not be played. Key, I'll tell you this, watching the game last night, watching the way that Josh Allen and he worked in the second half. I mean, look, the second half he had, he reeled off for seven catches. Six were in the third quarter for 92 yards in the third quarter. That's that's more than half of the yards that Josh Allen threw for in the second half. I sit there and I'm like, I feel so bad for guys like Deshaun Watson. I'm watching him against the Bears. I'm like, man, he don't got no targets to throw the damn ball to. He took away DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, it's, it's, that's how lucky you are to have a guy like Stephon Diggs on your team that can make big plays like that to energize your unit. Well, 10 catches, 130 yards, and a touchdown last night for him was a night. I mean, he, you know, he was a dynamic force for Kirk Cousins in the Minnesota Vikings. He whatever issues went on with Rick Spielman and the and the, uh, the general manager of Minnesota and the team, he certainly felt that he wanted to get out of there. He made it loud and clear. He's landed in a good spot in Buffalo, and I hope he continues to have that success that he's having. Zubin, I do want to say this though. I do want to give their defense some credit. The Bills actually produce points 
off their defense for the first time since 2017. Bravo to them for doing that on that pick six. No question about it, and it looks like they're certainly going to be winning the AFC East. We'll see how far they can go. Quite a remarkable achievement. The team had missed the playoffs for 17 straight years. They have such a passionate fan base that right now can't join them, but they've made the playoffs two of the last three, haven't been able to get over the hump and win win one of those two playoff games, but it certainly feels like they'll be the favorite heading in at this particular point. want to mention one thing. Maybe it's just 2020. Maybe just a sign of the times. Uh, Before the game, you may have seen Juju Smith-Schuster was dancing on the Bills logo at midfield. He posted the video to TikTok in a 2020 move, and you better believe Jordan Poyer and the rest of the Bills defense took notice of that, and if they needed any extra motivation, you've heard it before, people dancing on the star in Dallas. Well, they were dancing on the buffalo head there in Orchard Park, and it turned out that the Steelers took the head off. The Pittsburgh, uh, excuse me, the Bills took the heads off the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're asking on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed who's the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Jay kind of put his mark in there with Buffalo. Be a part of the Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. The front office insider Mike Tannenbaum will join us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line in 20 minutes. Of course, we will discuss the Eagles and on the way, the biggest question surrounding the birds after what Jalen Hurts did yesterday, why won't Doug Peterson name him the starter for their game this coming Sunday? Chishon, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. I think a lot of Eagles fans are like, I think we waited too many minutes to get Jalen Hurts in there. You heard Sean Payton, the voice there earlier, basically saying when you let somebody run for 250, what are you going to do? From Peyton's perspective, it actually took the attention off his quarterback, the first ineffective performance we've seen from Taysom Hill. But let's talk about the real story on the field yesterday in Philly, and that was the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts. Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Again, the front office perspective on exactly what the Eagles should be doing moving forward with Mike Tannenbaum coming up here at the bottom of the hour. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Straight to Doug Peterson. After that performance, giving them the, quote, buzzword, spark they need. Next week's matchup for the Birds, literally, Eagles and Cardinals, in the desert. But Peterson will not commit, even after yesterday, 
to Jalen taking the first snap under center in the desert. You know, I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, enjoy this one. I'm going to go home and relax and, and be with my family tonight and enjoy this win and, and get ready for the week. Indeed, we have established, fellas, I can see the smiles on your faces already, that Doug Peterson is a good family man. We like to make sure everybody on the show is one of those things. All right, so here's the deal. No laughs here, right, Jay? This is all serious business. You were the first guy to say they got to go to Hertz earlier, sooner rather than later, later rather than sooner. You called for it. Peterson finally did it. I want to give a shout-out to the Eagles' defense. Peterson said it was a team effort. They had five sacks, including three in the fourth quarter that put a ton of pressure on Hill, but you were asking for Hurts out of the gate. You saw it. You got it. Why is there any indecision? I have no idea, Zubin. Hearing that sound got me so frustrated because I just want Doug Peterson to give this man his flowers. He was electrifying. Multiple people on the team said that there was a different energy on the field. Did you see that pass he threw to the back shoulder of Alshon Jeffries, fourth and two in the second quarter, early in the second quarter? It was an incredible pass, right? He kept so many plays alive. And I I give you this. Carson Wentz led the league in sacks. 50 times he's been sacked. The next closest player, Russell Wilson, at 40. I walked away last night saying, Jalen Hurston gets sacked one damn time. I don't understand. You don't have to say he's going to be your starter, but why can't you say this team plays different? I am proud of the way Jalen Hurts came out today. Even after he fumbled the ball late in the game, the way he recovered, the way our team recovered, it just seemed like Doug Peterson made everything about just the team all the time. And I get that. I know that's coaches speak, but just give this man his flowers. He deserved it against the Saints, one of the best defenses we have in the NFL. Well, I think, look, when you, I, I'm not looking for flowers, okay? I'm happy that Jalen Hurst was able to get on the field. I'm happy that he performed at the level that he performed at. You don't want to kick a man when he's down. You know, giving him his flowers is just stepping on Carson Wentz even more. Oh. And I don't think you need to do that. We all know that Jalen Hurst is a starter moving forward, and you're going to take this thing week to week. Next week, you'll come out on Wednesday or Tuesday, and you'll say, hey, Jalen Hurts is the starter moving forward when you have your presser. The game is just ended. So I don't believe that he needed to say anything. It speaks for itself. If you watch that game and you don't realize or understand that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback probably the remainder of the season, then you don't know what you're looking at. You're looking at a guy that accounted for 270-plus yards, one through, one through the air, the other on the ground. And it's so funny and ironic, and I was having a conversation with some people yesterday and they was like, oh, he only threw for a buck 60-something. I said, but he ran for 106. If Carson Wentz had thrown for 270, you would say it's a great game. Now you split some on the ground, some in the air. It's question marks. I hate that. Those are the sort of things that, that doesn't make me happy. When I look at how he's getting the yards and people still deflecting and saying, well, it's not through the air. Okay, well, 276 part of 270-some-odd yards – is part of your total yardage, who gives a damn? You got the W, and he'll be the starter next week. Keyshawn Johnson, you and I have had so many conversations. We make fun of each other all the time. You tell me all the time. Now, you don't have to worry about me. I'm not delicate. I'm not sensitive. Now you're telling me that Doug Peterson is worried about the state of mind of Carson Wentz after they beat the Eagles and they get a huge win? He's thinking about that. Well, at I didn't the know they could beat. I didn't know they could beat the Eagles because they I mean, are the Saints. Eagles. The Saints. You know what I mean. You know, stop it. You know what I mean. Don't try to deflect. You're doing what Doug Peterson does. Stop deflecting. Just tell the truth. No, look, Jay. At the end, man, you don't. He, he, yes, he's sensitive. 
He's a quarterback. They all sensitive. How many times I got to say this to you? Why kick him when he's already down? Don't need to. He knows he was. You don't think it's for one minute. Carson Wentz was sitting on that sideline going, hmm, my days in Philly might be numbered. Of course he was. He can see it. So why kick him when he's already down? There's no need to do that. You don't have to kick him, but you can at least be supportive of your quarterback that just stepped into a, a, a crazy situation and actually handled it exceptionally well. Like, yeah. I don't, you don't have to kick somebody while you're down or to build somebody back up, Key. You know, the, the, the two aren't mutually exclusive. You know what I mean? You can still do that in a polite way. It just that, seems like that, that will happen. It didn't happen in the post-game press conference, but it will happen as he addressed everything this week they'll ask him about Jalen Hurts again either today or tomorrow whenever he's scheduled to talk to the media and he'll give Jalen Hurts some sugar at that time everything's calmed down now he can talk about Jalen Hurts and how Jalen Hurts performed he, he had a chance to watch the film he he has some things to work on he certainly is is headed in the right direction you know we want to continue to keep working all of those cold words you sound so practical and reasonable. Damn it, Key. This is not who you are. I know who you are inside. <laughs> Zoom in. Let's Last go. word on this, fellas, would be Jake Elliott missed a chip shot 22-yard field goal near the end of the first half. If he had knocked that in, that would have been another scoring drive for Jalen Hurts because right now with the sample size so small, we're looking at everything. How many passes did he complete? Where is he running? How many drives equaled points? But you can't give him the Jake Elliott because he missed it, but keep in mind a chip shot field goal would have given him another successful scoring drive. Last thing I would just say, the other quarterback, if you watch the two touchdown passes that Taysom Hill threw, Emmanuel Sanders and Jared Cook both had to make unbelievable catches for those to come down as scores. And Taysom Hill looked ineffective for the first time. Drew Brees should be back and not a moment too soon, fellas. They got the Kansas City Chiefs coming to town on Sunday. And oh, by the way, indeed. Come on, Drew Brees, get back. (laughs) And we should also mention that the Saints wake up this morning not in first place in the NFC. Their nine-game win streak comes to an end. And the Packers are now in first. So if the Steelers have a little bit of a skid going in some ways, so do the Saints in the NFC. Straight Talk Wireless, no contract. No compromise. On the way, what are the Eagles' options short-term and long-term? Plus, is Bruce Arians' short-term evaluation of his team totally right or totally wrong? We'll get into all of that. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. Key had said last week, no moment is going to be too big for Jalen Hurts. It's hard to extrapolate college football to the NFL, but when he faced adversity at Alabama and Oklahoma, he answered the bell every single time, and he did so in his NFL debut last night. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance. At Progressive, they're making things even easier. They'll help you bundle your home and car insurance together so you can save on both. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The front office insider Mike Tannenbaum joins us this morning on the Shell Pennzoil performance line. Mike, there's a million ways to go here with Carson Wentz. Allen and Jalen Hurts. I want to start with Hurts and just get your opinion on why Doug Peterson, despite yesterday's performance, take me inside the organizational ethos and decision-making here strategy-wise. Why be not clear, demure? Why not say Jalen Hurts is our starter six days from now in Arizona after that yesterday? Yeah, I agree with the guys. It was an easy answer. Hey, Jalen Hurts played great. He's our quarterback going into next week. Over and done with. Everyone knows that's the answer. I'm not really sure what Coach Peterson was thinking when he said that. But look, Jalen Hurts played really well. He controlled the game. He made plays with his arm. He made a lot of plays with his feet. He targeted Alshon Jeffrey in the red zone, which is why they have him. And they also discovered that Miles Sanders is an explosive player. So It was a really good team win offensively, and their quarterback played really well yesterday. Mike, the Philadelphia Eagles job, general manager Harry Rosen's just got harder, right? What what is going to happen to Carson Wentz in the offseason with $59 million of dead money potentially hanging over the heads of your general manager counterpart? You know, Key, I see it a little bit differently. I see this as an opportunity because you have to sit there in, in the offseason and say, hey, do we have two quarterbacks that are winning quarterbacks? Because if we do, somebody else is going to want to acquire one, and hopefully we can get substantial value. And if they decide, hey, we want to go with Carson Wentz, they have to pour every resource to get him right, really from the neck up, because we all could agree he lacks confidence. He's not the same guy. If we say, hey, we're going to move forward with Jalen Hurts, it's a huge challenge on the cap. There are ways around it. You would probably have to renegotiate three or four significant contracts, borrow some money from the future. And then, of course, you'd want a massive return for a guy that arguably was in the MVP candidacy two and a half years ago. So I actually see it as a good thing. The more players that are playing well at the quarterback position is good not only for your team short term, but getting value long term. Mike, uh, how likely is it that the, the Eagles actually go back to Carson Wentz at any point this season? Do you see that as something being feasible? I don't think so, Jay. Well, Jalen Hurts gave him the best chance to win, and it wasn't even close. Some of it you can look to the stats, but other, other parts of it were just his intangibles. He had complete command of that offense. He made timely plays when he needed to, kept drives alive, had a lot of poise, a lot of confidence. I think it's an easy decision. And uh, I just when you look at what they're going up against next week in Arizona, last uh, yesterday, Arizona had five sacks. I can't wait to see Jalen Hurts go against that Cardinal defense. And it's a great opportunity for Jalen Hurts to show, hey, I played well against a good Saint defense, and now I have an opportunity to put back-to-back games together. Mike, so what's going to happen in the NFC East right now? You have, obviously, the Eagles won. The Washington football team got a big one the other day. The Giants lost. Who do you have winning it all? You know, Jay, well, my predictions are firmly etched in pencil. 
because a week ago <laughs> I was sure it was going to be the Giants, and now I'm sure it's going to be Washington. So stay tuned. I'll just have my eraser next week. I'll tell you what. How can you not admire what's going on in Washington? You talk about a team that's been through some adversity, and I think the whole country was holding their breath when they saw Alex Smith go to the sidelines, and he's flexing that leg, and fortunately it sounds like it's just a calf. But give Dwayne Haskins credit, because he went from one to three when he got benched, if we remember. It was clear to me yesterday that he has made the most of his time on the bench, be it in the meeting room, on the practice field. He played well enough for them to win a really important game against a good defense in San Francisco. So I, I love stories like that where a younger player just didn't go into the tank. You know, he, he took a step back. And again, I'm not saying that Dwayne Haskins is their quarterback of the future, but he was able to finish the game. They won. And I think because of that front seven right now and Daniel Jones's inconsistency, I'm putting Washington ahead of the Giants. Mike, how surprised were you to watch Mitch Trubisky play as well as he played against the Houston Texans? And on top of that, did they go away from him too early and not let him finish the season when he was 3-0. and Yeah, Key, I was really surprised. And there's another guy that went to the bench and obviously made the most of it. Look, he's only 26 years old. we got to keep that in mind. He played exceptionally well yesterday. Now, the Texan defense has been poor most of the year, so we have to keep it in context. And now it gets a little bit more complicated because there's no way you could say, well, hey, should we just make him the starter for next year? But... Has he? Can he do enough over the last couple of weeks, Key, to say he should be in some sort of competition next year? My big concern with Trubisky is he's 26th in the league in yards per attempt. He still struggles getting the ball down the field, but he is athletic. He is young, and yesterday was a real. It was a good step in the right direction for him and the Bear organization. Mm-hmm. Mike, what did you learn about Tom Brady and the Bucks in that win over the Vikings the other day? Yeah, you know what the ultimate irony in this game, Jay Will, was they were able to run the ball, and that was able to set up the deep passes that Bruce Arians won. Tom Brady had a really healthy yards per attempt. He was over eight yards, had the big play to Scotty Miller, but it was all set up by the fact they were able to run the ball. So they got to understand that sort of complementary football is what they do so well. Over eight receivers caught a pass, so they were diverse. We know how deep they are at the skill players. And then on the other side of the ball, they had six sacks. So um, I thought that was a really good win against an improving Viking team. And it's amazing what 24 hours does. Saints lose. Tom Brady and Tampa Bay wins. I'm not saying they're going to catch them, but at least now we're still talking about the division being uh, up for grabs. It's a great point because obviously the Saints have Kansas City coming to town this weekend. You want to, to use Mike's terms, maybe pencil that in as an L perhaps, or take a look at the fact that the Bucks are in Atlanta <laughs> on Sunday as well. So there could be another one-game swap right there if things go the way the Bucks hope. Mike, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. All right, but. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Goodyear. Whether you're on the field or on the edge of your seat, Goodyear wants you to embrace the unexpected every upset, touchdown, or fourth quarter comeback and let it move you no matter what the season throws your way. Goodyear is here to help drive you forward. Goodyear, more driven. So think about it. Saints could lose their second in a row with Mahomes and company coming to town. We'll talk more about his great exploits a little bit later this morning. And again, Bucks in Atlanta with Atlanta sort of coming back down to earth yesterday. Here is Bruce Arians after yesterday's performance, which was largely aided by a ton of Minnesota miscues, which we'll get into one second. Here's Arians on him flexing about his squad. I think games dictate how much you run it. Uh, What's the score at the end of the third quarter? And, you know, we were leading, so it leads to more runs. And Rojo ran really, really well, especially the last drive. And uh, we wanted to set up some play action. Um, 
didn't hit it as many as we hoped. But, you know, that when asked early this week about our identity, I think we just showed our identity. We could do any damn thing we want to do. Love the moxie and the bravado there. Rojo, by the way, if you're unfamiliar, the running back, Ronald Jones. Key, let me ask you this. They did look good. Brady did spread it around. Wasn't a great statistical performance for Tom. But we should mention Dan Bailey of the Vikings had maybe one of the worst days for a kicker in decades in NFL history. He missed three field goals and an extra point. The field goals were 36, (laughs) 54, and 46 yards. I'm not going to give him that 54-yarder as a quote-unquote chip shot there, right? But 36 and 46, when you need to make it, you start the season one and five, you're six and six, you got to have it. The day before this disastrous performance on Saturday, Mike Zimmer gave him a vote of confidence. And if you're a Vikings fan and old enough to remember key, the name's Gary Anderson or the Blair Walsh Project, or even a couple of years ago, Daniel Carlson who missed three field goals in a game. They tied the Packers. Zimmer cut him two days later. House of Horrors for Minnesota and Tampa taking advantage. Poor poor Bailey. I'm, I'm sure there's going to be a few uh, kickers at the facility today and tomorrow, you know, kicking balls and trying to impress the coaching staff to try to get that job. But when you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, you gotta you gotta factor into what they did, and I understand what Bruce Arians is saying. They could do whatever they want to do, whenever they want to do it. That's the identity of them. Look, Tom Brady did what he was supposed to do, right? He hit the shots downfield, less than two hundred yards throwing, but two touchdowns. But at the same time, he hit the guys that were open at times when he needed to. And I think that that is how you win football games in this league. It's not all about four hundred yards in the air. It's about the six sacks on defense. It's about creating havoc on defense, turning the ball over, getting good field position on special teams, and running the ball solid so you can get into the play-action game. That is something that the Pittsburgh Steelers are missing. They're missing being able to get into some rhythm from a play-action standpoint. And I think when you look at it, that is how the recipe is going to be successful for Tampa Bay moving forward. They're not a five-out, wide-open offense, catch-and-throw like Tom Brady did in his days in New England. Uh, They're more of a run-oriented team, play-action pass, get the balls in the hands of the guys and play defense. Hey, man, Scotty Miller got a touchdown the other day. He got a touchdown. I mean, we talked about that last week, Key, about how Tom Brady was targeting Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, the company, and getting Scotty Miller involved. But that starts from the run game. I mean, look, the Leonard Fournette story is a completely different one, a late, healthy scratch from the roster didn't play, uh, but obviously Ronald Jones rushed for 80 yards, LaShawn McCoy, it didn't make them one-dimensional. So I agree with you, Key, but it it still feels like something is off, and I know that the Vikings left 13 points on the board, but it still doesn't feel like the Bucks' offense can manage with another high-octane high offense, Key. It still doesn't feel like it's clicking the way when I see the names on a piece of paper the way you actually want it to click. It seems like it's still slow rolling, and I don't know if I see a difference between this team in week 13 as opposed to what I saw in week three. It feels like the same team that's still looking for answers, right? Or is it just me? I, I think that they are trying to find their way and their identity, much like Coach was saying. I know he's excited after the game. They won the football game. They beat the Vikings. They put the Vikings in the rearview mirror uh, as the Vikings would continue to try to push to get into the playoffs. It's one of those deals. I think if they needed to get into a shootout, I trust that Brady can do it. I trust Mike Evans. I trust uh, Antonio Brown. I trust Miller and Godwin and Gronkowski and, and Leonard Fournette along with Ronald Jones. I trust that the offense 
can get into the shootout. They're just going to have to do it the way Brady wants to do it and not the way that they draw it up and the way that they've always done it, whether it was in Indianapolis when he was the interim head coach or whether it was Arizona when he was the head coach for the Cardinals. They have to do it the way Brady wants to do it for Brady to be successful. And I'll tell you this, Zubin, I mean, they're right there. They play the Falcons twice, and then they play the Lions while you have the Saints that are playing against the Chiefs, the Vikings, and the Panthers. So it could get really interesting down the stretch. Well, I don't think think that they're going to win the division by no stretch of the imagination. Totally agree. The numbers are not on their side. We'll see what happens down the stretch, though. Their schedule does seem to be, as Jay Will indicated, a touch easier than that of New Orleans. But keep in mind, the Saints have the regular season sweep and the game in hand. More NFL discussion coming up at the top of the hour. But first, let's go from A to Z. And for me to Z is brought to you by Redbox. Hey. Redbox has new movies at the box and streaming on demand. Hey. Don't miss Fat Man starring Mel Gibson. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. After 105 years, either this year or next, the Cleveland Indians will no longer be known as the Cleveland Indians. Just a matter of what they're going to be called. Most people think it'll happen after the 2021 season. There's just so much that goes into a name change from advertising and merchandising and business. But the Indians making that move. President Trump reacting on Twitter, essentially saying he thought it was cancel culture at work. Aaron Goldhammer, a host on our ESPN station 850 in Cleveland, says considering the Indians' somewhat tortured history, this is a positive. A lot of Indians fans are saying and feeling is it's not like this name has an incredible winning tradition. The Indians have had it for 105 years. They've won two World Series, one in 1920 and one in 1948. So maybe with the starting pitching they have and with some of the talented players they have moving forward, a name change could also spell better karma and better momentum for them to actually break the longest championship drought professional sports and win their first World Series since 1948. How about that? The longest professional drought for a championships in sports since 1948. We should also mention that other teams over the years are standing resolute, like the Kansas City Chiefs, the Chicago Blackhawks, and others that have been asked to change their name, like the Atlanta Braves, to say they have no indication that they are going to do it, but the Indians apparently are. To the NBA, Kevin Durant scoring 15 points in his preseason debut for the Nets in a five-point win over the Wizards. Durant, 15-3-3, and limited 24 minutes out there in his first action back in quite some time. Of course, you know the injury recovery for him. Kyrie Irving scored 18 points, did not talk to the media after the game. Let's hear from Kevin Durant on how it felt to be right back on the court. Yeah, it felt great, you know, to be back in a routine and get back on the floor and feel like a player again, you know. I felt great. You know, everybody's texting, calling, asking me how I'm feeling, and I can't wait to that so I can get back into the swing of things and just feel like a, a, one of the guys again, you know. So it, it was a good first step. Positive vibes for Durant. Now let's hear from Kyrie Irving. And we thought that joke was going to fall flat. We thought that would fall flat, not like the earth, but it didn't fall flat the way that we thought. Kyrie not talking to the media for the rest of the season. Jay, I want to ask you about this. This is sort of interesting. I know it's not the Warriors of old because they're not going to have Clay, but the very first game of the NBA's regular season, December 22nd, is actually going to pit the Golden State Warriors and the Brooklyn Nets, Durant's old team, and his new one will wait to get to December 22nd. What did you make of last night and his long-awaited return? Well, look, KD, I've been watching him work out throughout the summer. I mean, it, he's seven feet tall. 
he's doing this off the dribble. He can shoot over the top of people. He makes the game look really easy. And I think that we've forgotten how talented he is, one of the most efficient scorers we have in the game. So it was good to see him back on the court do his thing last night. And it just reminded me that when I when I see this team play, they are like the polished street ball version of an NBA team on that court. Now, granted, the Wizards didn't play with Russell Westbrook. Uh, he wasn't on the court with Bradley Beal. But just seeing the way Kyrie and KD and Spencer Dinwiddie and the way that they can operate, it's going to be one of the most exciting styles of basketball that we've seen. But Zubin, the most important point, we just don't want to be a pawn. You just don't want to be a pawn anymore. No more pawns in the sport. And watching Kyrie Irving this year is going to continue to make interesting headlines. I will tell you that. Key, what do you think? Oh, well, I mean, I I like the Jay, I like the fact that Jay said that we forgot about Kevin Durant. I'm like, no, I didn't forget about him, not at all. We we saw him a little bit over a year ago. So, you know, it's like this dude is as long as he's healthy, he's gonna be in that one, two, three conversation uh for the best players in the NBA, let alone in the world. I mean, when you when you think about it. So I certainly uh you know, I can't wait to, to the regular season starts so I can really see him really go. I mean, preseason 15 minutes doesn't really get you just, you know, get your beak wet a little bit. But at the end, you get a chance to see him play the entire course of four quarters of a game. This is the reason that the Brooklyn Nets decided to pay him regardless of what the injury was, because we know what we're getting. Jay, let me ask you this. I think this is something that's really interesting. When Steve Kerr took over the Golden State Warriors, he essentially said, look, you know, I came like right out of the broadcast. I'd never coached any day in my life at the NBA level. He actually used the summer league and the preseason, obviously no summer league here. He used the preseason and the summer league to really bone up. So for a guy like Steve Nash, who essentially comes to the table with all the qualifications that Kerr did, great, great player, but no real coaching experience, what does this preseason, and I get it's just the preseason for players, what does this preseason mean for Steve Nash? Well, I think it's just a way for him to find that rhythm, not only with his players, but also with the coaching staff, with Mike D'Antoni, with Jacques Vaughn, who was there last year. So I I think building that rapport with them going through what series of lineups work, you know, who do you play at the end of the first quarter leading into the second quarter? How do you split time between Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert and Kyrie Irving, all guards that like to play with the balls in their hands. Uh, KD at the five, we heard about that mentioned multiple times. Uh, You know, what kind of mismatches in the lineup does that represent with Kevin Durant? And then also I think that the the most important aspect is how fast do you play, Zubin? that's why I said this is going to be one of the most entertaining styles of basketball you will see this year. They, they're trying to do something seven seconds or less. So you're seeing them trying to push the ball down the court, trying to attack right off the bat, regardless of set, and then kind of ease into their offensive set if there's nothing there. So I think all those things, just filling that out, and also for roster spots, who's going to make the team in sorts, but all these things you're going to see being worked out through preseason. Key, how far do you think they can go? I think Jay said he's looking at least Eastern Conference Finals, possibly NBA Finals. What do you think? You know, Zubin, I I, I think as as long as Kevin stays healthy and Kyrie stays healthy, I think that they I I would be satisfied seeing them in the Eastern Conference Final and then go from there. Uh, there's still some things that need to be worked out on the East Coast side. Is, is James Harden going to the Sixers? Is James Harden going to go to the Milwaukee Bucks? Like, what's going to happen with that situation, depending on what happens with the rest of the East? I, I, I'm safe to say I'm that they're probably going to be in the Eastern Conference Final. Now, look, 
A lot of Brooklyn Net fans, including Jay Will, would say anything less than an appearance in the final against the Los Angeles Lakers probably would be a disappointment. And I would certainly agree with that, except I don't know what everybody else in the conference is going to do come these trade deadlines. There's players that's out there. But you gotta you gotta take tip your hat off to them. They're gonna be a, they're gonna be a tough out. There's no question about that. Zubin, I'll tell you this though: it, can Kevin Durant stay healthy? Can he be durable? We've only seen one player come back off an Achilles injury and was next level as Dominique Wilkins, right? So I think that's really important for this team because he's. He, he, he unlocks everything with this unit. Philadelphia is going to be a lot better. Adding Seth Curry, a couple of different pieces to their lineup will help them with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, see how that works out. Boston Celtics will be right there. They will be good. The Milwaukee Bucks will be right there. They will be good. But I think this is, this is the Brooklyn Nets season to lose if they don't get to the NBA Finals. Opening, it will be looked at as a failure. Opening night in the NBA is just eight days away, as I mentioned. It'll start with the Warriors in Brooklyn, and then Keys Lakers will take on the Clippers. So Warriors, Nets, Clippers, Lakers opening night. On the way, Andy Reid's got himself a quarterback, but two branches off his coaching tree certainly don't. So who's in worse shape? That's next on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. 